She is what I call the BRR buy to let babe of the property world. So hello and welcome Emerald. Hello Amanda, how are you? I am good, I'm good. I'm exhausted mate, I won't lie. Shall we just <laughs> tell them what time it is? It's half past eight on a Wednesday night. We should be we should be winding down now but no we're recording a podcast because that's how we roll right? Yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so Emerald, again wonderful to have you on the show. Um, I've been excited. You are the first female on the show. Yes, go me. I was like, you know what? It's all men. What's going on? What's going on? Um, so I thought, do you know what? I'm going to get Emerald on it. Um, you're a Gloucestershire girl, born and bred. No, I was born no. in Gloucester. I've lived in Gloucester my whole life, so I am Gloucester, born and born and bred. Hang on, so I've just fucked up massively. <laughs> so you, you, you're, you're Gloucestershire bred, but yeah. you're not born. So you were yeah. born in Dorset. Yeah. So you're going to have to tell me where that is, because my geography is shite. Um, down south, but a different way to Gloucester. <laughs> From you. Yours is shite as mine. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know, <laughs> that sort of way. If you're from Dorset, please do not be offended by us. We're not <laughs> no way. I think I was about the only estate agent that had not got a clue how to direct people to properties. I was just like, no idea. Use your, use your tom tom. <laughs> so yeah. So um, what was life like for you then, growing up in Gloucestershire? Tell me all about you. Go as far back as you like. Let's let's learn about you. Well, I was um, I was a good kid. Like I was born in a, a nice family. So it's me and my sister, my mum and dad. Happy days. Went to secondary school, and um, I decided I'd do whatever I liked whenever I liked, and um, <laughs> that went on for a good few years, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was one of them kids. I left school before you were supposed to leave school. I didn't actually go to secondary school very much because I wasn't a fan. It wasn't something that I felt like doing. Um, what so you, you like truanting or just just not going? Yeah, well, I was probably excluded twelve times, if not more. Um, wow. <laughs> I did. I when I say I did what I liked, I mean it. If I thought the teacher was a twat, I would say that to their face. And um, if I fancied going and buying some vodka and getting pissed for the day, then I did that. And if I wanted to go to the local um a state that was across the road from my secondary school and hang out with the lads then I did that so I ended up leaving school early because I didn't want to go you know I love I love babble because we learn <laughs> so much shit on people on this show seriously no yeah. way so yeah. did your parents know about it or yeah School were in touch all the time. I was um I was literally one of those um children that um the school spoke to time and time again. So the my parents were on first name terms with the head teacher and my head of year, because uh, I was never there. And then I became a what do they call it? A child that is raised <laughs> for a child that's in trouble or something like that, where um <laughs> they couldn't bring my parents all the time. Um to tell them how terrible I was being. So then they stopped ringing my parents, but I still wasn't really going to school. I was just doing what I fancied doing, which was like hanging out and chatting to people and having fun. Why do you think you were like that? What, I'm bored. I mean, like, you're bored. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so not like, I don't, I'm not one of these people that like, it's got, it's got their head up their own ass, but I'm not yeah. unintelligent. So I'd get my work done in class. And then as soon as I got bored, I'd be disrupting the others, but they wouldn't get it done as quick as me. And then I got in the habit of just being disruptive before even getting the work done. So I just wasn't stretched enough. And then I just hung out with my mates and we all did the same thing, which was like drinking, smoking, having fun, truanting. Um, <laughs> and that's just what we did. So you was a bit of a wild one when you were younger. So what happened from then on? 
See, this is nuts, right? So I was wild up until about 16. And then 16, 17, I just stopped drinking. Just like this life isn't for me. And I just asked my school if I could come back and go to sixth form. And uh, luckily... <laughs> they were like, no. <laughs> no, I was really well liked by some of my teachers. So some of my teachers are actually on my Facebook. So even though I was a little shit and I swore at people and I was getting drunk, some of them I got on really well with. So they were like, yeah, you can come back to sixth form as long as you behave. So I went back to sixth form and um, I got a part-time job at the same time. And my part-time job when I was at sixth form was I was at Tesco and I used to do the stock counts because that's what you do. And I enjoyed making money more than I enjoyed going to sixth form. So within a year of being sixth form, I was skiving off sixth form to go and do shifts down Tesco because I couldn't see the longevity of learning a skill. I just wanted to make money, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Of course. But that's good because, you know, it's showing you from an early age that you very quickly thought, hang on, I either do this or make money or I do that. And just, you know, it's interesting that people that go to sixth form and do university degrees, I'm not knocking it at all. um, But they generally leave and they can't get a job. Mm. One of of our friends was overqualified. She applied for a part-time job in Wilco's and they said, like, you know, you're great, but you're just overqualified. So, you know what I mean? So, like, you did, I think you did the right thing. I didn't go to uni either. I was a little bit like you. I just, um, I didn't even go to sixth form. I was out of there, mate. I was out of there. Um, <laughs> but I, I was the opposite. So I was really, really, really well behaved at school. And then I was an absolute arsehole when I left school. So, <laughs> like, role reverse. Yeah, no, I was chilled. I, I chilled by the time. By the time I was 18, I'd pretty much stopped drinking and I did a bit about six months of it when I split up with my then boyfriend about 19 years old. And then I didn't drink teetotal for five years after that, up until I was 25. Mm. So I, I really went the opposite way. So I, I'm like quite pleased because I had all my fun, like 13 to 16, 17. Mm. And there's only so much trouble you can get yourself in at that age because you're not traveling very far. You haven't really got much money to spend. Whereas if I'd have been living that lifestyle at 16, 17, I probably had quite a big disposable income because I was working down Tesco, but I was earning a good amount of money for someone that has no bills to pay and lives at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. So, so I feel like I was terribly behaved but I was really limited in how I could behave terribly (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine if you you were totally exposed you'd have been a nightmare right I can't imagine having like snapchat or something back then I I just would have played with some of the stuff that would have been video recorded of me I've said this before there's so much um available to the younger generation now like they don't know they don't I know our parents said you don't know you're born but they really don't know they're born they've got everything like you know I was saying yeah if you wanted to meet your friend at the cinema you'd be like right I'll meet you at 8 p.m and you were there like you had to be there because you couldn't text them and go running late my hair straighteners aren't turned on or whatever excuse people make it's like no you 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 were there and now it's like I don't know do you think it's good how society have got that much technology that it makes I don't know I don't know how I feel about it you know I think we lack interaction somehow because when I was younger, if I wanted to speak to my mates, I'd ring their house phone and then I'd speak to their mum and I'd be like, hello, Mrs. So-and-so's mum. Can yeah. I speak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you kind of got to be polite, haven't you? Like, be like, hi, this is Amanda's mum. Can I speak to Amanda, please? <laughs> and then, then they'd yell up the stairs to you and then you'd come down and we'd have a really civilised conversation. Like, oh, yes, I'll meet you at the park. It would yeah. be like fasting who's your mum hears <laughs> or if it was a boy and your yeah. mum just like hand on hip and hand the phone and glare at you like who is this <laughs> so I think it's kind of sad in a way like you don't have that interaction with different people you're only interacting with your little circle you're not forced to interact with other people like your mate's mum yeah totally so then what was what happened for you after that then so you worked at Tesco what happened after that so I left Tesco and um became I became a home carer so I used to drive around the elderly's homes and look after the elderly um and those were a couple of good years I um I worked with some of my best friends, which was literally awesome. I really like looking after the elderly. Like most people hate that job, but it was just less. You listen to old stories. I sort of wasn't earning enough money. So I took a different job um, where I was working with 
adolescents with emotional behavioural learning difficulties. I'd have a house and I'd have three students live with me and I'd go on and off shifts and that was awesome. Um, Those sort of children taught me way more about myself than anyone in my whole life had. And in the background of that, in my personal life, I was incredibly what I call boring. I was saving to buy a house. So I went and bought my first house by the time I was 21 years old. Um, I had a really steady, stable boyfriend um, where we eventually got married. And we kind of lived in this perfect little bubble um, where I worked my way up. In the end, by the time I was 25, I owned my own home. I was the deputy manager of a home care agency. um, And I just had a nice, chilled, boring little life. So the house you bought when you were 21, that was for investment? No, no. Oh, that was Yeah. Okay. But that was your own, and then the one when you were 25 was with your your husband? No, sorry, I'm repeating myself in a stupid way. By the time I was 25, I had, like, a good job, my own home. Okay, right, right, right. I was just thinking then that at 21 you bought an investment property. I was like, wow, no, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Just saved up. I literally didn't go out for two years to save up for a deposit to buy a house to live in. That's what you do, isn't it? That's what you do. That's what you have to do. (laughs) I wouldn't do that now. So then what happened um then what happened like this is the weirdest part of my life story so I hit 25 and for all intents and purposes I had a good job I had a good home and I was married and then I just went fuck this I can't live like this and I sold my house and I quit my job and I left my husband and just restarted again and like do you think I mean that getting married at 25 that's that's quite young isn't it I mean I, I was brought up in a religious background and that was the norm because sex before marriage is unheard of and you, you had to get married early to have sex but you that's a really young age to get married isn't it I think do you think so I do well from definitely from where I'm from anyway I mean w- most people get married sort of mid 30s to 40s as late as mid 40s really um, I think I'm quite like um, a traditional girl at heart. So even though I was like a crazy teenager, I was quite traditional. I wanted to settle things down. I quite liked things used to, it's really weird, right? Things annoyed me. Like my post would come in and we had two separate names and that would like frustrate me. I'm like, it should, like, I'm almost like a perfectionist in a weird way. It's like, it should, we should have the same last name on our electricity bill. Yeah. Um, and it just felt like the next step, we'd save for a house, we had good jobs, you should get married. And so that's what I did. Um, but unfortunately, it's totally not me. So like the crazy teenager is more of my personality, although I don't really behave like that anymore. I'm putting myself in this little box where you only go to work. I didn't drink at all, ever. Um, I was heavily into fitness. Rugby ruled my life. So all my training, all my eating, my whole week was based around getting myself fit and ready to make sure we won the rugby game that we played on the Sunday. Um, <clears throat> I did exactly the same things each day. I ate exactly the same foods each day Um, and I think I just pushed myself into this little hole where I couldn't be creative I didn't have time to think and it was just it sounds like a real perfect lifestyle but it was really hard yeah it sounds a bit like you're more than that almost yeah you you need to be pushed and you know your life needs to be more exciting I think you know sometimes we can get into a rut can't we can wake up do the same things every single day and then one day just wake up and go don't want this yeah Are are you glad that it happened sooner rather than later oh 100% I literally sat there on my wedding day and just thought oh shit on your wedding day (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm rolled before you like as in like oh shit like oh this is it the nerves on a wedding day right was it that or was it like oh shit no I wasn't nervous I was literally just like cool I was really busy leading up to it so stupidly um you know like bodybuilding prep where people um stream their fat down to next to nothing in their body like you're trying to hit below 10% body fat I did that as wedding prep Um, because I was heavily into my fitness Mm -hmm. so by the day arrived I was probably less than 10% body fat and I was absolutely ripped so leading up to it I was training to be a personal trainer I was training to be an accountant I was training twice a day fitness wise I didn't even have time to think about it it was just like every day was like bang 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 get this done um you know get that done train study work train study eat and it just went like that for probably the end of the rugby season which was about May time up until I got married in July so you probably just like you probably just 
just came and you didn't even yeah. realize it was, it was coming because you were that busy yeah and then they came and you were like oh shit yeah <laughs> you do make me laugh. I just looked and I just thought if this is the rest of my life I don't want it like this I don't want it um, and I just think it took to get to that point to make that thought in your head to suddenly realise, like, I cannot live the rest of my life going to work every day, training in the gym tw- twice a day and living in our little house. Like, that's not me. I, I'm, I need more than that. No, absolutely. You, so let's talk about your fitness part then. So you were, as you said, very, very heavily into fitness um, and rugby alongside that. Um, I'd love to see you on a rugby field. <laughs> that would be awesome I am like um, I'm like possessed I want the ball more than anybody on that pitch like end of good that's good that's what you need you need to have that fire in your belly so on a fitness perspective then you're a personal trainer weren't you yep that's awesome that is so what kind of like did you did you compete and what was your diet like do you think that how strict you were in that respect has helped you in the business you're in today being disciplined like you know talk to me about that so fitness I can attribute almost everything to where I am today fitness taught me Mm -hmm. that I could do anything if I trained or worked hard enough for it So about 20 years old, I got into the gym and I got a personal trainer and they started pushing me and I'd look at um, weights, take a deadlift or a squat, for example, and I'd look at something and I'd practice and practice and practice and you'd see your weights going up. And it's really obvious, like you, firstly, you can squat nothing but your body weight and then you've got like 10 kilos, then 20, then 30, then 40, and then suddenly you're squatting 100 kilos or double your body weight, that sort of thing. And I could really see and feel progression and I really really enjoyed that so I'd say from 20 to 23 I was healthy fit um I'd eat healthy food it wasn't very restrictive but everything was home cooked really nice good healthy food for you and then after 23 I started getting a little bit more into the bodybuilding Mm -hmm. so from 20 onwards most of my fitness and health and food was related to rugby and to play well on a pitch you didn't want to be ripped because that means you had no fuel in your body so everything I looked great because I trained to play well on the pitch but when I trained to look great I just ended up really ripped I ate porridge for breakfast I ate chicken and quinoa for dinner I ate home cooked steamed veg boiled chicken for my tea and my snacks consisted of cottage cheese yogurt protein shakes small handfuls of nuts like that was my diet oh did you have any cravings though like what was your craving oh my because whenever I'm dieting I'm always craving like (laughs) it's hard isn't it you have to be you have to be super disciplined um when I dieted for a goal that I wanted I didn't crave so for eight weeks leading up to my wedding I didn't have a cheat meal and I didn't miss it because I wanted to be absolutely ripped mm-hmm. so that for the cravings when I tried to diet and I don't really want to diet then the diet's just shocking and I crave everything and I just stuff my face um <laughs> so the time I was 25, I was incredibly fit and incredibly ripped. My diet was incredibly poor because it wasn't balanced. And it took me about 18 months to get out of that hole. So now I would never, ever recommend anybody to go that deep. Um, and it, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of time, but it removes all the balance from your lifestyle. And I just can't see how anybody can tell me they're happy when they're under 10% body fat because your body isn't supposed to, your body's not made to be like that. Like you're hungry permanently, 24 hours a day, you're starving hungry. And when I say hungry, I don't mean hungry like you've just been for a long walk. I mean animalistically starving, like a starving child. As in like you can, you actually looking at, you can see like burgers floating in the air and stuff like that. Just like... um, Aggressive. Yeah, the saliva in your mouth when you taste that food. So I had times after my strict diet where I would eat until I was physically sick, not because I had some illness, but because I couldn't stop myself putting that food in my mouth because my body needed it so much. It was like an animal had taken over and I'm shoving the cookies in and I know I'm full up, but I'm full up in terms of stomach, but I wasn't full up in terms of nutrition. Um, sometimes I'd get so tired I'd like sit down in the shower to have a shower because I couldn't bear to stand there for 10 minutes 
Like that's how badly you can abuse your body by trying to be as fit as you can be. And it's just not healthy. Bloody hell. That was an extreme part of your life. I can't imagine you like that. (laughs) Last now, I'm just like, diet, whatever. Diet, whatever. I mean, I know you more so, obviously through property, but I got to know you really well on the um, speaking course that we were both on together. And like when the when when we get all those um, buffets to bring out, it's like, yeah, fuck fuck you, diet. And yeah, and back then I wouldn't have been able to eat that. I wouldn't have been able no, to put that in no. my mouth. Um, I'd have brought my own food, and I wouldn't have dreamed of putting a sausage roll on a buffet in my mouth because I just I couldn't. I literally couldn't. Do no. you think sometimes fitness fanatics can be can it can it? Do you think it can be borderline an illness almost? Totally, it is one hundred percent an illness. I'd have like ripped six pack of abs. I'd be able to run twenty miles and I could do ten pull ups. So my fitness was completely ranged and it wasn't good enough. I wasn't small enough. I wasn't muscular enough. I couldn't run far enough. I wasn't strong enough. Like you're chasing a goal, but you're just pushing your body to the limits. It's just like. I completely admire people that do it because I know the dedication and the pain that you go through, but it's not balanced lifestyle. Like, don't you want more for yourself than that? That's not happiness. That's like looking great and feeling shit. I think as well, sometimes when, when one, if you're in a partnership and one partner is being really, really strict and, 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 and aiming for a particular goal, it comes to a Friday night and you're like, oh, should we get a curry? Well, yeah, you have one, but I'm just going to eat broccoli and half a chicken breast. It's like, it can, it can almost ruin the relationship. Yeah, it, ruins, <laughs> like, it ruins the fun. Like, you know, the one's drinking back of red wine and it took it into a curry and the other one sat there with a miserable face because they can't. I think it can ruin relationships. I really can. I really do. So yeah. the, the, the good thing that we can take from that, though, is that obviously you said that being in that fitness um, mode has helped you to be the woman you are today and smash yeah. business like you do today. So let's talk about that. So obviously I know you from being in the property world. You've, I think the last two years, especially you've, you've massively stepped it up, haven't you? You've got, I think you've, you've done 15 um, BRs since, is it since you started? Is it, or is it over 15? So including my sourcing ones, I've done over 20, I believe. That's 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 incredible. So why did you choose that strategy? I love it. It's just so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got into property, I was in this, I was in a really hard place. Like I'd just left my husband. Everyone thought I'd literally lost the plot. Then suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm a property investor. And all your <laughs> old life full of people are like, what? Like last week you were married, like living in your house. And now you're like traveling all over to buy houses. So I felt quite... Um, insecure and underconfident and I learned how to do a BRR on a single buy to let and it just totally made sense to me so but I found like HMOs and commercial conversions and everything really overwhelming when I started um but to me just the BRR buy to let was just simple and easy and in my I could manage that um so it's not like I couldn't manage anything else but in my head that made sense to me absolutely and for those listening that don't know what a brr is it's when you buy a property you refurbish it and then you refinance it so you're not looking to sell it you're looking to keep it and put as much money back out of that property as you can it's quite a a rinse and repeat as well isn't it because you're refinancing and pulling your money out you can just keep going like you can just keep going and that's what you've done which is incredible yeah as I said at the beginning um over a million pounds in, in finance let's talk about that because you know raising finance it is hard and I find that it's the one thing that whenever anyone wants to start in property the one thing that they want help with or they really want as much advice on as possible is where do I get money from how do I get started if they haven't got anything would you agree yeah, everyone asks you that. And I'm like, it's a bit of an art. <laughs> it's really hard to explain what you do. But it's just like, when I started, I totally believed that I could do it. But I was really underconfident with it. And I was really one of them people like, who would invest in me. I've got no skills. But luckily for me, one of my personality traits is my drive and my not being able to stop until I've got where I need to be. Um, so I just kept going and going and going. It's the persistence that drove me through. Um, and I just networked until I found someone that would work with me. And that's literally what I did. Just network, network, network. And then someone was like, 
oh, I'll joint venture with you. And it was like, oh, all right, cool, let's go. Um, and we did. And I can imagine that's exactly how the conversation went with you. Oh, all right, cool, let's do it. <laughs> the thing is, is I, one thing that I, when I met you, I particularly picked up on was your humour. It is very dry. I don't think you even know how funny you are. I really don't. But you, the one line that you come out with, you, and, and see, people, people are drawn to that. It's attractive. And, and people want to work with you. People buy of people. People want to work with people who have qualities that make them laugh. Because, you know, yeah, property is serious and there are serious elements to it. But one, one um, sentence and, and thing that I live by now and I, I keep to is that you've got to have a bit of fun with whatever you're doing. Because otherwise it becomes just so monotonous. You lose yeah. your passion. And that, so your humour for me... If I was an investor looking to place my money somewhere, it would be something I'd be attracted to, 100%. So I always say to people, like, um, people like people like them. So because you're quite humorous, you probably like my humor because we both just like having a laugh. Whereas (laughs) we're so disruptive in classes. (laughs) No, I know. It's like, look at them. We were on the naughty table, weren't we? We were. There was, I do we get we got separated at one point I think like can you see having too much fun and I always say to people like raising finance um first thing I say is would all your mates down the pub lend you a fiver uh, most people their mates down the pub would lend them a fiver or buy them a drink I said so if you hang around with people that a fiver to them is like a hundred thousand pounds then they would lend you that because that's their they're sort of in that caliber of people with more money so firstly you need to hang around with people with more wealth because if all your normal mates would lend you a fiver if they had a hundred grand and it was surplus they'd probably lend you that too and that's because they know like and trust you um, wow that's such a good way of putting it I've yeah heard that before that's really it's good true though, isn't it? your mates would buy you a drink so if your mates were multi-millionaires they'd lend you 100k because that's the same amount as buying a drink to your normal mates um so I always say to people, you can raise finance because you've blatantly borrowed money off your mum or your friends or your family or someone before. Um, and the other thing I say to them is people like people like them. So um, if you go into a pub and someone, I don't know why everything's pub related. I was just going to say, it's always pub related. Everything you've been saying is so basically, if you go in a pub... <laughs> I don't drink that much. I don't know why it's a pub, but okay. If you went into a pub and you support, say, Liverpool, and you see someone with a Liverpool shirt on, you immediately like that person a little bit because they support your team and you support their team. And and so you think they're an all right person before you even know them. So if you find investors that like things like you, like you are really into your teeth whitening. If you find an investor that's into their teeth whitening, maybe it's true, isn't it? You've been making eggs. Or your eggs. You've got, (laughs) I have eggs for breakfast every day. Do you do them like this? And you've got like a conversation starter. So people like people like them. So find people that are like you and find people that are, slightly wealthier than you are yeah you've... I've, I've raised finance off someone that's asked me about my teeth and about my eggs <laughs> it, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the reason why you know I, I advocate it I do it because people say oh you want commission for that no I just do it because it's like this thing fucking works get it on yeah. slap it on slap it on your gnashes <laughs> I think you I think you said what is it I think you've got it yeah yeah I did I went and bought it and then I recommended it to all my friends I'm like this girl I know from the word yeah exactly and that's the thing like I think if you're yourself and you show who you are and you come you're you're real and like you are so real I mean you really are Uh, you you crack me off like some of your some of your videos and and your 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 lives that you do and you talk real and people can relate that's the thing that's the beauty so you've been investing in the BRRs and what else do you do property-wise? I mean, you, you touched on sourcing. So how, how's that worked for you? How's that gone down for you? <laughs> well, I like about five people in the whole world. So um, I don't have one of these massive sourcing businesses. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, sourcing's where I find an investment property and I just sell it to an investor for a commission. So I take no equity in the property. I have nothing to do with it once it's done. I just find it. I stack the deal. I manage the refurb and I stick a tenant in it and then hand it over to the investor Um, and some people have massive sourcing companies that are nationwide I've got about five clients that I'm happy to work with um, and they their criteria has got to match my criteria and when I've got some properties that I can't fund or when I think I'm leveraged enough in debt for my own personal mental well-being I think I'll 
borrowed enough to buy three houses right now. I don't want to borrow any more. I just sell the deals on to my lovely clients. Um, so it's not massive business. It's not overly like emerald sourcing company professional type thing is people I want to work with that are happy with my service we provide quality properties and that's all there is to it I like that as well because I think you can give like a personal touch I think if you are a big organization and I'm not knocking them whatsoever here just so no. listen. Uh, but yeah so I think you, you can be a little bit more one-on-one with them because you've only got five to manage whereas when it does get so big you, you I suppose then you've got to stop getting staff and it gets bigger and bigger and it's great it's absolutely great that that happens but I like it that you work and some investors like that don't they they like the personal touch yeah I'm more friendly with my investors they've all said that they'll lend me money if I need it because some of them can only draw so much from their SAS funding so they're like we'll lend you the other half I never look at my phone in disgust when they ring me I'm always really pleased to take their phone calls because I like talking to them I ran an SA business for a little while so I used to have seven service accommodations and I learned from that I hate businesses that have systems processes moving parts and um that sort of thing I just couldn't cope with it so I was wasn't going to build a sourcing business that replicated the things that you do in SA like systems processes loads of people I remember when I first met you we were on a table together and I said to you like oh you know you do SA and you went yeah and I fucking ate it (laughs) I remember that and I was like oh I won't do SA then (laughs) no I remember it's just I love it yeah yeah exactly it's fine that's it it's finding what's right for you isn't it and so you've got so you you're you're doing your vitalettes and you're keeping it nice and simple. I'm actually doing exactly the same thing. Um, we're keeping it very, very simple now. We're doing steady buy-to-lets buying a couple of months. And we're doing um, one to two big commercial developments a year. And we're keeping it simple because we've gone full steam ahead. If I give, could give myself any advice going back then, I'd say slow down, Amanda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's just, you know, you, you run with all these ideas and... Uh, yeah, I just want to take it a little bit easier now. I think you, you're you not only maturing life, you're maturing your property journey, don't you? Yeah. And I'm, I'm at that point now where I'm like, I'm coming into my sixth year of investing and I'm just like, right, I just want to, I want to chill down and I want to enjoy it more because I've had sleepless nights, I bet you have. Yeah. I've had pulling my head and my extensions out. I've had, <laughs> I've had, you know, like just really, mate, I've had, I've experienced it all. And that, that's the thing, like, you just want to just slow it down. And I think... You know, for, for people that you say to me, I'm just doing vanilla buy to let. So you say, well, you're boring. But they're not boring. They're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> buy to lets are awesome. And my little vanilla buy to lets are not a reflection of my personality. <laughs> we'll just caveat that right now. Um, I just think they're cool. Like, you're never going to run out of family homes. People always want them. Um, they're really easy to manage. Once you get the right tenants and they're in there, like my ones in Liverpool, because that's where I started my property journey, they're just like hassle-free, happy days. I love them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just skipping back to when we were speaking about being on the speaking course together, what is it that you decide? Why is it that you decided to do the course in speaking, public speaking? Oh God! Right. So what happens was this is horrific in my life. Um, <clears throat> I won an award. I did the uh, a mastermind mentorship program, whatever you want to call it, and I won an award for um the amount of joint ventures and finance that I'd raised and I was pulled up on stage by a guy called Rob Moore that ran the training academy that that we did the speaking with and they did my property training and he interviewed me on my award and how I got there and all the rest of it and I sat there and I went well obviously I bought some buy-to-lets and then obviously I did some service accommodation and he just turned around to me and went well it's not obvious to the audience is it and I died. I, I died on the spot, literally dead. Just thought, what an idiot. And I got off the stage and I just thought, if I'm going to have to win awards again, I want to be able to talk at the end of it and not sound like an idiot. So in that moment, that was in the December, I was on the Speaking Academy course by the January, second week in January, wasn't it? Yeah, second week in January. God, that's Because oh, I didn't want to die on stage ever again. <laughs> I think as well, the the course is fantastic because it, it teaches you a lot about yourself, doesn't it? I think. Yeah. It, what did you learn about yourself on that course? Um, what did I? I think I just learned how how scared I was of talking. Like it showed me how much I wanted to do it, but how much 
I needed to learn. I'm sort of one of them people that watches someone do something. And because the speakers speak with ease, I'm like, yeah, a bit of training. I can do that. And then I went on the course and it's like, oh my God, how much do I not learn? Yeah. And how how much do I need to learn to get my skills up to that level? Um, so I was a little taken aback of how difficult public speaking is. Because me and you can talk, we can talk for a yeah. end. But talking on stage, that's a whole different ball game. It's di- it's different. Like suddenly I'm stood there and my hands are sweating and it feels like <laughs> like I've stood on stage and done speeches. Before. <laughs> And I thought, I bet there's a wet patch and people are going to think I've wet myself. It's not. It's the sweat dripping off me where I'm so full of adrenaline, where I'm just dying inside. And it just taught me how, how obviously frightened I was of doing this public speaking thing. And we get, we get um, sometimes we get recorded, don't we, on video and you watch it back. I'm, I look like I'm on a ship. Remember, like, <laughs> I rock from side to side and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't even know why I do that. Like I'm rocking from side to side and I've got word whiskers. I'm, I'm like, you know, and like, you know, when you said Rob Moore said, like, obviously it's not obvious. You say stuff and I think the word whiskers to fill those awkward pauses and silences where you're thinking of what to say next yeah god and then you've got to think about your stage positioning then you've got to think about your emphatic gesturing and it's all these caboodled into one you look at the speakers and they do it as you say effortlessly and you think yeah i can do that it's fucking hard it is hard (laughs) and it's just i'd really like to master i still haven't mastered it we did the course um what 18 months ago now and i just still don't feel like i've mastered it like i'm way better I was, but I've still got a long way to go. Um, but the, the, this is the thing: you, is you recognise that, and you can just keep learning and learning and learning, can't you? So, yeah. do you think then that the speaking course has helped you position yourself and brand yourself? Because I've no, I've noticed that you've stepped up your social media lives. You've stepped up your like you're really active on social media at the moment. I know obviously COVID and that has added to that because I think everyone's in the same boat. But I do, do you know, do you how do you feel it's helped you in that respect? So initially when I did the course, so this is what I always do. I got off the stage from Rob when I died inside and <laughs> I did and it actually knocks my confidence because when I learn something new I realize how much I've got to learn instead of how much I've just learned if that makes sense yeah um, so then afterwards I was like oh god I'm never gonna get there and it's taken me till about three or four months ago of getting on stage practicing and I still wouldn't do my live videos um and I had the skills and I was still practicing them because they teach you a system on how to talk. Um, and then in the last couple of months, it's like my confidence has just come out from somewhere and it's yeah. just arrived and gone, hello, Emerald, we're ready now. And I'm like, great, let's go. I know, I've noticed it. I think it's brilliant. I'm really enjoying them. I'm not so much enjoying your fitness ones when I'm sat there <laughs> stuffing my face going, oh, she's, she's, she's knocking out 5,000 sit-ups and a million squats and I'm there eating a bacon sarnie. <laughs> oh dear. But no, yeah, no, I enjoy them all. And I think that you probably don't realise how many people you're inspiring. You, you, you probably don't. No, I wouldn't know that. So what happened was at the end of last year, I had a really, really tough time and I felt really poorly within myself. Like sometimes I get times in my life where my head gives me a lot of shit and I get a lot of negative thinking. And at the beginning of this year, I just decided I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I started 2020 and I was like, my negativity in my own brain is not going to rule my life anymore I just went and got some help for it and I just feel loads better and my confidence has come out and I feel like I can do it and I've just felt and the lockdown like I know people are hating it and um I'm not happy about it obviously people are dying and the world's in distress I'm not saying that but the lockdown for me on a personal level has made me really content it's made me realize where I want to go in life it's made me realize who I am and what I want and what makes me happy so the lockdown combined with the help I've been getting with my negative thinking has all just pushed me into like this confident person which is cool it's awesome it is it is awesome (laughs) what are your goals moving forward then what is 
tell me all about your goals because I know we've chatted about these briefly um when we have our little whatsapp chats but what tell everyone what are you what are you aspiring to do moving forward so I've got like 96 million goals on the go at the moment but I'll tell you my main one so I'm launching my podcast so I hadn't done any public (laughs) I know and I've been interviewed by loads of people like yourself and I just thought you know what I love doing this I love sitting there and talking so last Monday I thought I'm launching a podcast the equipment arrived yesterday and I'm going to launch it probably by the end of June so that's coming um I've got a second mastermind that I'm launching myself on BRR by Tillets, which is still in the phase of me doing content marketing at the moment but that's why I've upped my social media um I'm, um, I'm adding loads of value to people because um I've got a new way of thinking so I'm kind of launching that. I I spoke to my accountant, right? And I asked them how much money I would need to earn to be able to profit. Um, uh, so I do lots of joint ventures and I'm trying to build my own portfolio at the moment. So I asked my accountant how many single buy-to-lets I would need to be able to get myself an income of around 4K a month. That's after tax, voids, maintenance, literally like 4K in Emerald's pocket per calendar month. So I'm looking at getting 20 properties for myself with no joint ventures um, to hit that target. And my final target, which is an absolute surprise to myself, going back to my roots, um, I said at the beginning of this podcast that I started my career in care, and I worked my yes. way to yeah, I worked I know about this <laughs> to a deputy manager, and then I left the care industry because it wasn't for me. And um, when COVID bro- um, broke out a couple of months ago, my best friend said to me, "My auntie is desperate for care staff." She was like, "Emerald, you've got the skills. Will you go and help out in the home?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Like I can't live." leave all the grannies without anybody looking after them and it's really hard for care homes to recruit at the moment because they need staff that they can trust and not going out and meeting people um so they can't just employ every tom dick or harry because you don't know that they're not going around the neighbors every night getting pissed um so they won't recruit anybody but because all the oldies are having to stay in their rooms due to social distancing they need Mm -hmm. extra hands on deck every single day and I went back to the care home and it's a gorgeous Georgian property. I love Georgian properties. So oh, just... and me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why? Let's do a Georgian JV, babe. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a white Georgian old house and it's got stunning gardens and it's got a cottage in the garden and it's got a summer house. And wow. we've got 12 residents and um, it's a home from home. So there's carpets in all the bedrooms. It's not clinical. It's not like a hospital. And it is the most relaxing perfect little family that you could go and join because the care home is like a family and after three weeks of working there I sort of did the numbers in my head on the side because I'm a businesswoman at heart and I went fuck me this place makes me happy and it makes some good money I am going to convert a pub in a village location and I am going to run my own care home a little boutique 12 bed that changes the old biddies lives and I can't wait I oh, know, you, you voice noted me, didn't you? And you were screaming about it, going, oh, I've had a premonition, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. Because you've just said it combines your two passions there in one, property and, yeah. and, and managing a care home. So would you have to put in like 100%, would you be there all the time or would you do it so that you've got staff working for you and stuff like that? So I'd need staff because you can't work on your own normally you've got two to three staff in the day and one at night I would manage the care home for a minimum of two years so the reason I'm not doing it now is because I'm not in the right position I need to be able to give up two years of my life to get the ethos in place to um I would be the registered manager so I'd want everything done properly I'd want the staff to know what was going on um and I absolutely love it I never feel more present than I'm sat with an old person and I'm feeding them or I'm chatting to them going through photo albums there is no other times that I really feel that present and just being with someone um so I would manage it for a minimum of two years hands on deck and then I'd probably just bob in and out of it after that so I'd be like a hands-on director not formally doing anything but if I want to go down there and do a couple of shifts because I enjoy it then I would if I want to go to Ibiza for a month then equally I've got the ability to do that and leave the business the first two years I'd be all hands on deck minimum I can't wait to see you do that. I think you'll be doing it sooner than you think, you know. 
I know because I can't stop. I'm looking at the moment. This sounds really bad, but like you got to, um, you know, you got to make cash in these circumstances. And I'm looking at breweries, and I'm like, they are going to be selling off some of their least um, performing assets. And I want a pub in a village location because I want the oldest to be able to walk up to the hairdressers or to the news agent or you know to be able to pop a potter about. And pubs in village locations are perfect. Back to the pubs again. Yeah, because it's the right size and I'm going to convert it because it's the right size and location if you look at village pubs. And um, they're, they, they, they tend to be that look that we like as well. Yeah. You know, they've got character. Door in the middle, like windows. There's a pub literally in the village that I live in and it's like the crappiest pub ever and I don't know why because it's an awesome location I'm just looking at it thinking um, it sounds horrible doesn't it I'm waiting for you to go under because I'm going to turn you into (laughs) (laughs) have you had have you had had you know go and have a chat and say to them what are your plans for the pub well it's permanently at Felice so I need to speak to the brewery because the landlord's in it um they've always been flying outside saying like basically looking for new landlords so um I just need the brewery to sell it off to me there's a pub not far from mine that's always like that. And, and it doesn't matter who takes it over. It's in a great location. It's in a yeah. village. It just never, there's never any like hype or buzz there. It's just. Yeah. So we always go to the pub, the village up, which is way further away. Worse location, loads smaller, like the beer garden smaller, but we never go to this particular pub in my village. And I have no idea why. It's just got no vibe. <laughs> I'm sure. If you could get that, that would be awesome. That's so my that dream. It's a dream. Well, you're going to do it. Um, your podcast as well. Um, I know you're thinking about names and stuff for it and stuff. Have you have you have you have you settled on a name for your podcast now? Yeah. So the name's the Emerald Effect, um, and not. it's because <laughs> it's it's about health, wealth, and happiness. So obviously, fitness has been a massive part of my life since I was about 20 years old. Now, um, wealth is something I've been learning since I was about 24 to 25, and obviously taking steps towards being more wealthy in the last couple of years um health wealth and happiness and it, happiness is because I think people quite often spend so long chasing their goals or or not chasing their goals they forget to be happy along the way mm-hmm. um, and I just think people should do something you know one thing each day that is for them that makes them happy or makes them smile so the emerald effect is about hopefully having an effect on my listeners to to be healthy to be wealthy and to be happy I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to listen in. Now, obviously, I'm podcasting myself. I'm very podcast aware. You know when you're pregnant and then everyone's suddenly pregnant? Or no. when, when you yeah, have a blue... No, well, if, honestly, if you're driving, you, if you bought a new bl- a blue car, then there's blue yeah. cars everywhere. And it's just, you're, you're just finely attuned to that one thing, aren't you? There's so. a posh word for that. There yeah, is a there is. I was just, I can't think of what it's called. No point asking me, like... <laughs> I can't think of it. <laughs> One last thing that I wanted to chat to you about is um, when I said, what are your goals moving forward? Um, do you have any plans for like traveling? Because when you work as we do, you, you, you aren't sort of tied to a particular place. You can literally get your laptop, pick it up and you can work anywhere in the world. Do you have any plans for traveling? Not um, not traveling like traveling, um, holidaying is as I call it. So me and you are going to Pig Island next year. Oh, oh yeah, me and you are going to. We are going to Pig Island, the island of pig. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> Goals. We're going um, to have. We're going to do a Facebook and Insta live when we're on that boat and we're getting there. The, the pigs they swim <laughs> up to you, don't they? They swim up to you. Is it like they welcome you to their island? That's so cute. It's literally so, so cute. I can't you, wait. Hadn't, you hadn't heard about it, had you? And I was no, like, yeah. You told me about it. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and now I'm, I'm converted. I need to go there. So so in terms of travelling, I don't want to travel. When I was younger, um, my nan's got a house in Florida and I used to go out there for like eight to 12 weeks and I was always more than ready to come home. So there's loads of holidays I want to do. My best friend moved to Australia about 18 months ago. So if we're allowed to fly quite happily in January 2021, I'm going to go to Australia for a couple of weeks and live with my best friend. Uh, But aside from that, I just want to book holidays. But no, I'd never travel like for months. I wouldn't ever, just couldn't, no chance. 
Oh, I would. If I hadn't got my kids, I'd be. I wouldn't be in this country, no way. I really, really wouldn't. I love travelling, but Pig Island definitely that's on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> Just wrapping up, uh, an emerald is a green gemstone, and I think that's exactly what you are, and you continue to be in the property world, an absolute gem. Um, you're willing to help anyone you can, and you're probably one of the kindest, easygoing women that I'm looking to have as a friend. Honestly, I'm, I mean that with all my heart. Yeah, you are, you, you know, and an emerald. I don't know many emeralds, you know. I think I only know you. I'm one of a kind. You are one of a kind and you are a fabulous person. And I think anyone that comes your way, you will have the emerald effect on them because you are... You know, like I say, you're one of the easiest going women. People want to do business with you. You're going to go far. And you already Thank have. You. <laughs> Thank you. You already have. And I can't wait. I'll be one of these people. I love supporting small businesses as well. So I'll be one of these people that when you podcast out, especially, I'll be promoting it. I'll be spreading the word. I want everyone to listen in. Because, you know, I, I learn so much by podcasting. Like, I've taken loads of stuff from what you've said today. I've been making notes. I don't know that you've seen. I did. Yeah, I'm making notes. Like, I've, I've, I've learned loads. And, and I do from everyone that, and all, my, all the people I've got lined up, I know I'm going to learn something. And even if you learn just one thing a day, that's just adding to your personal development, isn't it? And you'll be the exact yeah. You'll learn loads from podcasting. You'll meet lovely people. And, you know, it's all of us sticking together and creating this great big unified um community i just i just love it i love it i really do i do as well i just i love chatting to people and just learning things like when i've listened to your previous podcast i'm like my god this person's story is awesome i I just love finding out about people and and you learn that everybody's got adversity and everyone's had problems everyone's had high points everyone's had low points everyone's working towards goals and you realize we're just all in the same boat and we just got to help each other out yeah that's it absolutely we're all in the same boat we all experience the same things and even celebrities and you know people that are right up there they they're exactly the same as us they're just a human being they experience the same feelings I mean you know half of them probably don't voice it but they're, they're all battling things as we are and you know it's just it's just how you cope with it and it's having it's having people around you isn't it to to help you yeah 100% so thank you you. I know thank you very much for being on a babble and I will see you very soon how can we connect with you what's that what's your social media platforms uh mainly I use Facebook I do do a bit on Instagram but mainly most stuff I post on Facebook about my life where I'm going what I'm doing um so yeah jump on there add me as a friend or just follow me it's Emerald Fisk there's only one of me (laughs) I know there's only one you won't get loads come up and um and yeah and I will post the links for this for everyone to listen to and I will make sure once your podcast up and running to spread the word as well so thank you so much and you take care thank you <laughs> see you later bye, bye. bye.